Are you ready to become awesomer? Hello, everyone. My name is Umar Hamid. I'm your host on the No Limit Selling Podcast, where industry leaders share their tips, strategy, and advice on how you can become better, stronger, faster. Just before we get started, I've got a question for you. Do you have a negative voice inside your head? We all do, right? I'm going to help you remove that voice in under 30 days guaranteed. Not only remove it, but transform it. So instead of the voice that sabotages you, there's one that propels you to much higher levels of performance and success. There's a link in the show notes. Click on it to find out more. All right, let's get started. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the No Limit Selling Podcast. And one of the things I'm excited about is we're just releasing this new app called Mindset Boosters. It allows you to decide how you want to feel or act in any situation. You've got the power to do that in the palm of your hand. And today we have Adam here. He's a realtor in New York City. Adam, welcome to the program. Uh, thank you very much, man. I, I much appreciate uh, you having me on here today. And happy Friday. Oh, happy Friday. So give us like uh, the 60-second uh, bio. How did you get into real estate and uh, who are you working for right now? And tell us about yourself in that short 60-second window. Sure thing. So uh, I got in real estate on a whim. This is never something I saw myself getting into. Uh, I studied political science and journalism in school. Um, I always liked sales, but I just never saw myself getting into this kind of role. And uh, my first business partner that I met about 10 years ago was also my agent. I was starting another job here and uh, didn't work out after a few months of me being there, but him and I became close friends. And um, I kind of got real estate while looking for other job opportunities, but it was a way to make some quick cash here and there. And I fell in love with the career. And uh, 10 years later, and what felt like me clawing my way through and helped building up a company before the pandemic, and then sort of you know merging with another company and leading a team for about nine of those years, uh, finally taking about 12 agents with me over to Corcoran's office over at Park Avenue South um, back in June of last year. Um, we're coming up on that seven-month uh, window that we've been here, and it's probably been the best decision we've ever made as a team. And you know, not only for our business, but just in terms of our visibility and what we're able to do in this market. Superb. So we're going to talk about the team in a moment, but I noticed you've got a motorcycle helmet behind you. And when I learned how to ride, the instructor said, uh, "Number one, if you're going to ride a bike, take a course." So I took this course and the instructor basically said, uh, it, when you ride a bike, you have to assume that every single motorist on the road is trying to hit you intentionally. And if you ride like that, you're going to be safe. And if you kind of let your guard down, and it's not that motorists are evil, they're just looking for a two and a half ton automobile and they don't see the bike at all. It's like a blind spot, right? So good advice for riding. Uh, so what is the equivalent of, to being a realtor? Like, is there this rule of thumb that you could use like that bike metaphor so you can become successful at this career? Uh, you know, that's a really interesting analogy. Uh, but, you know, after this many years of being in the business, I have found that there's just no one single method to be successful. Um, you know, you can go the route that I went, right, which is just pushing through on open listings, which is where everybody has access to this landlord or listing for the rentals side of the business, which is where I started for the last, you know, eight, nine years until I got to the sales market being in corporate. Um, or you can go straight into sales. You can go into commercial. You can go into developments. There's so many different ways you can go about this business. But I find that there's just no one, you know, single streamed method to get into this business here in the city. That's kind of the beauty of why it's so great here. Um, 
but I think you definitely need to have some attributes for yourself as to in order to be successful. And a lot of that starts with, um, you know, being consistent. You have to be consistent in this business. You have to be diligent. You have to put in those long hours. You have to, you know, sort of keep looking forward. Uh, yeah. you know, in this industry, I find that there's a lot of things that can hold you back and, you know, uh, rejection is a consistent factor in this business. Um, but as long as you can keep moving forward and keep looking up and, you know, be consistent on what you're doing, eventually something's going to stick where it can lead to success. Absolutely. And I think like there's some fundamental things, like you said, that we need to be able to do. And so I think you hit the nail on the head on one of them, which is hard work. Like uh, there's a quote from Will Smith that I like is like, you know, there's better actors than me, but no one's ever going to outwork me. And I think uh, that's where success happens in real estate. And then people take the foot off the gas and they're relying yeah. on referrals and some other stuff to keep things going. And it's like, no, don't take the foot off the gas. This is how you build like a great career. So Adam, what I'd like to do is since you are an expert in this field and you've like bled on the streets there, <laughs> you're going to get this uh, experience. So how do you get more referrals and how do you consistently ask for referrals? Because that's an area where, where a lot of realtors struggle. What would be your best advice? Oh, great question. Um, well, I think that kind of starts with sort of how you're organizing your business, right? Um, you know, especially when you're doing rentals, right? Which is 70% of the market or so here in the city. So mm -hmm. rentals is a big component of the business in the city here. And people make you know easily six figures a year if they're doing it right. Um, and I know that's kind of unheard of for a lot of the country where, you know, rentals is in most brokerages, something most people don't even talk about. Uh, but in the city here, it's, it's, it's bread and butter for a lot of agents. Um, but the way that you organize your business and the way that you organize your contacts, uh, one of the beautiful things about Corcoran here is sort of how they build out their CRM, right? So that's sort of how you're able to stay in touch with your sphere of influence, mm -hmm. your network, and being able to say in their faces consistently, right? Um, for me, the best way to get referrals is being able to build out that CRM. You got to spend those long nights, maybe grab a glass of scotch after hours, sit in front of your computer for the next six hours and input as much information as you possibly can in your contacts, whether that's birthdays, whether that's you know, if they have kids, if they're married, if they're single, all this information becomes relevant so that way you can continuously stay in touch with them. And that has proven to be very successful for me and has not only built referrals or repeat clients, but it's also created a lot of great friendships. Nice. Um, and you grow with your clients, right? That's kind of the beauty of it. I remember I've rented clients that I had a $1,500 budget and now they're met, they're engaged and they're looking to buy their first home for almost a million dollars right now. And they're looking in the West Village with me as we speak. You know, that's something where, and obviously that's, that's a cherry picked example. And I, I understand that, but it is, there is a kernel of truth there where that's how a lot of building with your clients over years of your career and you, know, you build on that success and that does branch out, whether they reach out to you about their brother or, you know, another family member that's looking to buy something or rent something, which is actually currently happening with them right now with me. Nice. Um, you know, and that's a great way to build that out, but you're never going to do that by trying to keep it all in your head, especially when you have a decade plus in the business, oh, yeah, you absolutely. need to build out a system that works. And for many years, I, I used a system that was very guerrilla style warfare of, of a CRM that I built out on the cheap. I built it out myself. I didn't have the resources that I do now here, but that CRM was helpful. But now with the system I have today, it, it's unparalleled. You know, I have 
automated messaging that's getting out for everybody's birthdays and you know getting in touch about anniversaries and certain dates and stuff like that's important to my clients where you know i'm consistently in their face in the know newsletters etc you know that's a way that you're going to be able to build out referrals because you're staying present to them consistently so brilliant. And then just kind of adding to that referral story, it's very much at the end of the day, the quality of your life is the quality of your relationships. And if you can become that realtor that has that base of friends, one of the things that some of the realtors do is they're the go-to person. I got a plumbing problem. I'm going to call Adam. I got this happening. I'm going to call Adam. And you become that uh, trusted advisor that you get generational referrals coming in if you do it right. Hopefully not too much on the plumbing end of things. I, I may not be an expert in that division, but, you know, moving some furniture, uh, you know, showing some cool restaurants or trendy bars to go to. I got you on that one for sure as well. Uh, I love it. Well, next <laughs> minute, uh, we're going out. Prospecting. A lot of people struggle with prospecting. What are three pieces of advice you'd give people on how to prospect better and do it consistently? Oh, this is Hi, a this great is question. So actually, I know that it's so timely that you asked this. So uh, last night, my team and I, we got here. We were in the office until about 10 o'clock last night or 9.30 or so, something around that time. I don't know. My brain was a bit foggy last night, pretty late. But um, I bought a bottle of gin, and uh, I got my whole team in the conference room, put it up on the big screen with, you know, uh, contacting for rent by owner, for sale by owner, uh, landlords with new listings and stuff like that, reaching out to these people. To, like uh, right, uh, to sorry, get listings, feet. exclusives on the rental and the sale end of things, right? And we were in making phone calls from about 6.45 at night until almost 10 o'clock last night. And we came back from a couple appointments this morning, yes. including a listing appointment for the Upper West Side for a gorgeous duplex apartment. Right on a nice tree-lined street there, like very central New York. Um, and, uh, you know, that was just from sitting there, having a couple drinks with my team, making it fun having some dinner, some pizza, whatnot, and kind Love of just that. getting out there and just kind of going right into the thick of it. I, I find that if you're going to prospect, you got to get out of this mentality of acting like, um, and I was just saying this the other day, I, I find that a lot of agents treat it like it's a really cold pool or it's cold water at the beach. And you're like slowly tiptoeing and dipping a toe or two in the water and you're like psyching yourself out where it becomes a much bigger obstacle than it really is. And the best way to go about it is take the plunge. You just got to go dive right into it. You just got to get to the thick of it and you got to make those phone calls. You got to make those mistakes when you're prospecting because you're going to and you learn from them and you get better at it and you become more comfortable on the phone. And sooner or later, it's going to be second nature to you. And sure. that fear um, is going to go away. And if you're yeah, able to get on the phone and do cold calling yeah. and prospecting, you can build a business of multi, multi-million dollars. But you have to just take that launch. Absolutely. Uh, one of my clients, uh, they've got 10 agents, and they had a dial day uh, last year. They dial every Thursday anyway. But this particular dial day, it was like, we are all going to have 100 conversations today. So that means you're dialing way more than 100. So they had 1,000 conversations that day. And the amount of business that came from that day for the entire team was like off the freaking charts. That's amazing. See that, that I love because it gets me energized as you can already see me getting talking about it with oh, you. Yeah. But that's the kind of stuff that gets me energized because there's no way that you're going to develop in this business if you're not making those cold calls and those attempts. You have to do it. You know, and in, in a city as big as New York, you can't gotcha. just walk around the streets and hope you stumble across a corner of five or 10 apartment 
You have to go out there and you have to make those phone calls. And you got to be diligent about it. But most importantly, you got to have fun. This is a really stressful job and career choice. Yep. I, I, I can't say that enough. Um, you know, I, I drive a motorcycle because I need excitement in my life, right? But, you know, you right. need to well, be able the, to take the edge off and, and have fun with your job no matter what. I know many people that could say they're able to drink and work at the same time for their job. And, you know, it does help take the edge off and it makes it fun and creative. Um, and I think any team leader out there always has to look for that spin where you're not only having you're having fun with what you're doing with your team and being innovative, but you're also making promise. Yeah, I think part of it is when you go and do fun things with your team, that's really nice. But when you do something challenging together, like picking up the phone and dialing, that's where you really build the bonds that join because it's a lot easier to do it as a team as opposed to doing it individually. So one of the places where people fall down is follow up. And you talked about the CRM and the need to follow up, but what are three ways that people can follow up properly, consistently, and turn follow-ups into uh, into cash? Great question. Um, you know, when you okay. say follow-ups, just if I could kind of ask a bit more the details. Yes. Um, I'll define it. Sure. I could, uh, so follow-up would be one of the things that, you know, is a, is a knife through oh, the heart. Exactly is when you call up uh, a previous client and they go, oh my God, I just bought another house and I didn't think of you. And it's not their fault, it's your fault because last time you followed it up was six months ago. So that kind of follow up. Or my cousin, oh my God, I recommended somebody else for my cousin. I should have picked you. I'm so sorry, Adam. It's like, uh, yes, okay. It's like, damn it, I should have stayed on top. Yeah, that that has happened to me more times than I can count. And I've learned those lessons the hard way, unfortunately, I'm sure. There are so many people who are listening in that could agree, um, but I could I could definitely tell you that I don't allow that to happen in my business anymore. Um, and, and I'll explain a little bit of you know what I've done to avoid that. How I run a team of less than ten agents, so you know I can only imagine if you're running a team of more than that and how stressful that can be. And you have your mind in six, seven, eight, nine, ten, fifteen different directions all day. Um, I don't have the time to, to sit down and try to remind myself that I got to reach out to this person for their birthday, or I got to reach out to them about this newsletter, or I got to do this, I got to do that. I don't have that kind of level of time where I can do that. And if I do, it's usually at nine, 10 o'clock at night where I'm ready to go to sleep. Um, so, you know, that's not something that I would recommend to do. I think the best strategy that I came up with is by so what I did is I built out my CRM where it automates out messages based upon certain dates of time. So it automates a birthday message. Stay in their mind at least one extra time a year. That's that's key, right? Or a newsletter goes out on a quarterly basis about things that are happening in the city right now, things that are currently on the market that I have as exclusives, etc. Right. So that's that's another four times a year that I'm staying in touch with them. So now we're at a total of five times out of 12 months out of the year, right? Then I may also reach out to them on a three-month basis after their move-in date, right? How was the move? Have you enjoyed the neighborhood yet? Have you found it? Maybe there'll be a six-month email as well to their lease term or their time of purchase that I'm now touching base with them again to make sure that I'm checking in on them and how they're doing, right? Are they enjoying the neighborhood? Have they, you know, I was actually just in this neighborhood, whatever the, the variation of the message may be you know, at that trigger point. But I automate all of that to happen over time without me having to think about it. Yes, it took me hours and hours and hours of time to really kind of press messages, right? 
But but time well spent. It is time well spent because I could tell you, I've just off some of those automized messages in the last six months alone. I could tell you personally into my own bank account, off of little time that I've had it up and running, it's put $10,000 in my pocket just for that little time. Love it. And it's going to continue uh, paying off. Absolutely. Still in infancy stage, but I uh, give it a couple more years and, and, you know, we may be talking well over 10 grand. Yeah. Nice. Uh, how many agents are you leading right now? Great question. So I'm leading uh, eight agents in total right now. Um, and, uh, you know, I, the largest I've ever run is about 15 agents, but this is going back in time before, well, before I joined up with Corcoran. Um, but I feel that what we're at right now is a very healthy um, and it's, it's enough where we can cover a lot of ground, but it's not overwhelming where I feel like I can't give enough attention to each agent, which is exactly kind of where I want to be in that balance where I can give everyone the attention it deserves and the attention they need to grow and prosper in their business. Because a lot of the agents that started with me had no real estate experience whatsoever. So I'm really their mentor, their coach, their therapist, firefighter, figuratively. <laughs> yeah, so, so think of one of those agents. Don't tell me the name of the person, but think of the person and say, I got the person in mind. Sure. That person you're thinking of, uh, they've got uh, certain areas of strength and certain areas where they struggle What's the area that they struggle in when it comes to real estate? Is it uh, prospecting, referrals, uh, relationship with money? Like, what's the issue? Ooh, great question. Um, I wouldn't say it's any of those things. Um, I am thinking my agent. He's, he's actually my top agent. Um, you know, but he just because he's the top agent doesn't mean he doesn't have his struggles, right? We all have it in one way or another. Uh, but I would say his struggle really stems with connecting with certain clientele on on an emotional level you know he's a very logistical and analytical individual and that makes him incredibly organized and well suited to really be responsible for any kind of listing he's you know in touch with but he needs to work on sort of tapping into more of his emotional side with clients yeah, and human connection yeah yeah and he's he's learning he's learned a lot in terms of his mistakes on that and sort of how to make that connection stronger but i think for majority of his life up till now, he's never really had to tap into that, you know, and all other businesses he was a part of. So um, it's definitely a learning curve for him, and he's watching other agents on the team who do have that as their strength. Um, but cool. I think for so him, it's work in progress. Go ahead. So uh, your best guess, if he could solve this one issue, how many more transactions uh, a month would he do? Ooh. Well, I know he'll be listening to this, so I, I, I want to say as much as as much as possible. Uh, but if I really put a number on it, I would say that would probably add an additional two deals a month for him, just in the yes. rest. So here's Maybe two to three that, deals a month. Yeah. So here's a, something kind of interesting is we've been doing this research for a while, and this is the data that we've uncovered is that uh, fear and anxiety impacts about 80% of realtors. Okay. And it reduces their income on an average of about $150,000 a year. And it wow. could be they're really strong in, let's say, prospecting. They're really strong in this area. But there's one area of real estate where they're kind of weakened that they shy away from. Let's say it was asking for referrals consistently. By not doing that, it has a financial impact on what they do that year. And so I was recently in uh, Burlington, Ontario, and they estimated that it was two transactions that they would have done more 
This is 100 agents. So this is the average of 100 agents. Okay. And okay. in their market, that uh, translated to uh, it was $18,000 per transaction, what they would have taken home. So that's 300 and some thousand dollars that they didn't take home because of that. I was in Manhattan with agents that are actually selling condos, and uh, their estimate was about two, but for them it's $50,000 per transaction. So that was $1.2 million a year that they did not get to take home because of one area. Wow. Fear and anxiety came in. And uh, so uh, mind-blowing, right? Because none of it is like... uh, we're all doing well, but uh, so take sales as an example. Uh, right. Outside of real estate, just general sales, here's the sales process. It's uh, prospecting, getting conversations with clients, mm-hmm. uh, doing the presentation, handling the objections, number three. Number four, closing the deal. And number five, getting referrals and deepening into the account. And so if somebody's weak in any one of those, let's say getting appointments and they're right. great at closing, they're not closing enough because they don't have enough at-bats. And if they're weak at closing and they're not getting enough at-bats, then, you know, it's, well, they're getting enough at-bats, but they're weak at closing. A lot of those things are slipping through their fingers. So that's, we made it our mission is how can we get realtors and salespeople to become fearless in that one area? And when we do that, it adds significant revenue to their bottom line each year. And we don't teach them how to do what they do, the selling part, but we make them fearless. And that's been like our focus for many years. Does that kind of make sense? Well, I think that the anxiety factor that you brought up as well really makes a lot of sense. And, and it's something that just wasn't ever put to me that way, but I could completely agree with that. And, um, you know, I, I'm curious on your take on this sort of with the data you have, because I don't have it in front of me and I, I would mm-hmm. love to be able to take a deeper dive into that uh, with you, of course. But I, I'm curious as to sort of when you're running a team, right, you know, each agent that's on the team has different strengths and weaknesses as we were discussing prior, but the way that they can complement each other and maybe help evolve, you know, with their strengths. Yeah, but is like, like a jigsaw puzzle. Correct. And the whole picture. Yeah, I know absolutely. I have agents that are much stronger in, in showing, you know, uh, apartments for sale and for rent, as opposed to, you know, they're much better when it comes to the logistical end on the paperwork and it mm. comes, you know, submission to boards and submission with, you know, uh, the clients and for prepping for interviews and stuff like that. As opposed to, I know others that you know the mar- know the market incredibly well when they're working with, you know, directly with a buyer or a renter, and they know every listing out there on the market, and they're a whiz at picking listings for them to go see that they know they're going to close them on, right? So I consistently make sure the word an open environment for my agents to be able to listen into everyone and see how they're interacting, but. That's kind of my way of kind of, as you mentioned, a jigsaw, kind of bringing everybody together and helping, you know, sort of complement each other's strengths and weaknesses. And I have seen some evolution into that, but I'm sure I'm sure there's got to be more ways than that on how to help strengthen some of these agents' weaknesses for sure. So one of the things that happens is this: is that money isn't money; money is emotions. (laughs) So I'll tell you a story. A friend of mine, uh, his brother borrowed a hundred bucks from him about eight years ago, and he can't ask for it back. Had the guy borrowed your drill, as soon as he needed to drill a hole, it would have been, dude, where's my drill? Because it's money, it's like, you know, he'll think I'm greedy or or I'm needy, and it's just whatever we tell ourselves inside our heads. And so we have a financial thermostat that we have as human beings. If you're a realtor and you've got a financial thermostat that's set at $150,000 a year, 
even though you want to hit $500,000 in take-home pay, the unconscious mind is like, you're only worth 150. And as soon as you get near that, you start basically taking your foot off the gas or screwing up or something happens that keeps you there. And so part of being successful in any endeavor is this formula, least world according to Umar. It's skills times mindset equals results. And if you have really great skills and you have a weak mindset, basically the results are dramatically lower. And if you have okay skills and a really good mindset, you can get pretty decent results. But if you have really strong skills and a kick-ass amazing mindset, right? maybe you become one of the uh, masters of the universe in whichever area you want to play in. And you know, so I think that mindset piece is critical. You bring up a fantastic point that I, I would love to share with you as well. You know, speaking of mindset and skills, I first started in, in this business. Obviously, it was not something I had planned. But financially speaking, I was you know, 22 years old and I had, uh, you know, $297 and 32 cents in my bank account when I started in real estate. So I, I would say I was, uh, not very prepared. Um, you were poised for failure. I love yeah, that. Exactly. And, and, you know, I went quite a few months without making any money at all. I mean, I, I was walking home, you know, over a hundred blocks to go home because I couldn't afford the subway. Um, I, you know, I don't know what the statute of limitations is on this, but I, I have hopped the turnstile a couple of times at that point in my life because I was so broke. Um, you know, I didn't really know where I'd be getting lunch or dinner that day because I just had to hustle and figure it out and maybe collect a couple of coins so I can get a dollar slice pizza, right? There was a lot that I was struggling with. Now, I could have had the mindset that I'm going to fail. And I could have had the mindset that despite all my skills, there's just no way I'm going to make this happen. But somehow yeah. 10 years later, I'm here and I'm running a team at the most successful real estate company. And I would dare say the globe, you know, so I could have had that same mindset. And I think to any realtor out there who's thinking about getting into real estate or who is in real estate, remember something, if I can do it, there's a lot of people that can too. And when I, my first few months in the business, I was so focused on making money. And despite, you know, sort of where my head was at, um, I was striking out left, right, and center with every client I was meeting with. I met mm. 32 clients in my first month and a half in the business. I closed zero people. By the way, zero. Well, but, well the zero part bad, but the 32, that's freaking amazing. Yeah. So, I, you know, obviously I knew what I was doing to get people in the door, but I was still turning them away and I couldn't close them. And the reason why is I wasn't paying attention to the other part of your formula, which is skills. My natural yeah. ability of skills to be able to communicate effectively with people and relate to people is sort of my best asset, okay? And I wasn't using any of that. I was more concerned about putting dollar signs in my eyes because I was obsessed with trying to make as much money as I could to get out of the hole I was in. Mm -hmm. And once I kind of gave up on the idea that it's all about making money, making money, and it's about developing my skills and letting things happen naturally, the following month, I closed four deals and mm -hmm. I only met with 12 people. So Wait, thank you for sharing. Not harder. Well, there's two things happening there, at least according to me. One is, uh, so learning the skill sets, yes. So I'll tell you another story to kind of bolster what you just said. There's this like amazing woman, her name, uh, I forget her first name, her last name is Northrop. She's in Baltimore, Maryland. And uh, she uh, and her husband, uh, you know, had this decent marriage and uh he decided to become a realtor and he went to uh, college to take the course to become a realtor. And then he says, this weekend coming up, honey, uh, we can't do anything because I got to study for my exam. And if you want to, you can study for the exam too and take it. Although she's not taking this you know, like college course to do this. 
guess who passed the course the following Monday and who failed? She passed. He failed. So he decides to, uh, I'm not sure this caused him to decide, but he decided to uh, have an affair with her best friend and it dissolved the marriage and him and her went away and she's left with two kids and she's a school teacher. (sighs) And it's like, there's no way I can support my family with, uh, you know, being a teacher, I'm going to become a realtor. And so for the first three months, all she's talking about is my husband ran away and I'm by myself and I've got two kids and it's all victim, victim, victim. And then her uh, boss took her aside and said, look, this is not working out because I like you. I'm going to give you this employment assessment to figure out what you'd be better suited for. Right. She goes, okay, she takes the assessment. Guess what the answer is? You're suited to become a realtor. (laughs) (laughs) So he gives her... uh, he gives her another try. Okay. And this she realizes that it's not about me, it's about the customer. It's not about my sad stories, about how can I help you get the house you want. And all of a sudden she starts closing deals. And when she gets to a certain level, uh, she notices another woman that's doing better than her and she's writing these amazing stories about houses. This is like a, a Cinderella's home and if you get this, and it's like flowery kind of language, she starts doing that and she became the most successful female realtor in Maryland. But I love that story of that mindset shift. That's amazing. On me, I start focusing on my clients. And for you, it's rather than focusing on money, I suspect in some ways, because you had the skill, part of the skills were focusing on the client. So I think it's all an evolution. And uh, so before we part company today, Adam, and we're going to talk again, I guarantee, is two questions. What's the best advice you've ever gotten from a mentor or someone else to be a great realtor? Great question. I would say the best advice I've ever been given in real estate. Um, am I allowed to, should I name the individual or? Well, yeah, sure. Uh, name them. So I would say it comes from, uh, you know, my senior managing director here at Park Avenue South, Alex Chung. Um, and he's really been amazing in sort of, you know, helping me kind of bring my team up to speed and bringing us over to Corcoran and, and kind of giving us more opportunity than I ever could have thought. But it's it's really kind of comical what how simple the advice is, but the, the mantra is, you know, just go for it. Whatever it is, any idea, whatever you're thinking, just try and shoot for it, and eventually something's going to stick. You can't Love just it. do one thing. You got to try everything possible, even if it sounds crazy, even if it sounds like it may never work in a million years. Go for it. Try it. Do what you can, because at some point you're going to be in the right place at the right time, and you're going to align yourself to be lucky. And I find that that's probably the best best advice I've ever been given, because no one, not too many people, tell you to try anything, even if you think it may not be the best or brightest idea. Because it's put me in a lot of positions where it not only got me my first or my second or my third or my fourth sales exclusive, but it's continuing to pay off in dividends every single day and every single week that I've been here. Um, and I think it's a mantra that's going to carry with me probably for the rest of my career. Love that. I'm going to name that for you, what this process is called. Attribute Alex because he's the one that came up with it, but it's called the toddler syndrome. And here's why. In systems theory, it's not the most powerful person that has the power, it's the most flexible. So take mom, dad, and this two-year-old. Who's got the power, dad or mom? Who's the most flexible? The two-year-old. I will be cute, I'll ask the right parent, I'll throw a tantrum, I'll hold my breath, I'll do whatever the freaking <laughs> coach 
to get what I want. And that's basically what it is, right? It's like just being flexible and try everything to exactly. achieve your goal. It's a two-year-old. I love that. Last question, Adam, is uh, what's the mind hack you'd like to share with people that uh, allows them to be more productive, sexier, healthier? Like, what's the one thing you want to share? Always make personal time for yourself. Uh, Nothing drives me crazier than when I see an agent who's so beyond burnt out and working six, seven days a week, nonstop, nonstop, not taking any personal time for themselves, not taking any time for them to, to... feel healthier in a mental or physical way, consistently eating junk food, having odd sleeping patterns, eating at 11 o'clock at night. You cannot believe how many agents I see like that in New York City trying to get successful in this business. And I can tell you from experience of redlining myself for so many years in this business, there's a lot easier ways to work hard and smarter um, than doing that. And you have to make sure that you're allotting time for yourself, for your physical and mental health to better yourself because people can read it all over you when you're on a showing or you're on a listing appointment, whatever it may be, when you're not at your 100% pitch perfect self. And that's the last thing you want to be. I'd rather not even do a showing if I'm not in, in that mindset because people can read it all over me. And I'm a very you know extroverted, you know outgoing person and I'm always out, but I have to take care of myself and, and, and make sure that I'm consistently you know treating my body and myself and, and keeping myself a mental check because it's pretty easy yeah. to go nuts. Um, so here's another reason to do that because I think that's great advice is that part of the reasons uh, people hire you, Adam, is is not so much uh, for when things go smoothly because basically you're like a waste of space. When things are going smoothly, Adam's useless. But when <laughs> things go sideways, it's your confidence and your strength that they rely on that allows them to get over the finish line. Absolutely. And so when you look after yourself, it's not an act of being selfish. It's an act of serving your customers. Yeah, and I can't, I can't put out somebody else's fires when mine are raging in my backyard, right? Absolutely. You know, that's, that's the last thing that I'd be capable of doing because also I'm just stressing myself out even further. So it's important to, you know, just because you're working seven days a week and not, you know, doing any real business doesn't make you an all-star agent. It just makes you somebody who's well beyond their burnout point and needs to take some self-care. Um, you know, what if that's going to the gym for an hour, you know, three, four days a week, maybe that's, you know, going on a spa weekend once a month, whatever it, it is that helps you, maybe it's sitting down and playing some PlayStation. I, I don't, I don't care what it is. If everyone has their preference. It rejuvenates you. Yeah, exactly. You. Brilliant. Adam, this was a delightful conversation. Lots of great advice. Thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, well, thank you for having me. And, and I, I do hope we get a chance to chat again. Brilliant. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. And if you're looking for more tools, go to my website at nolimitselling.com. I've got a free mind training course there that's going to teach you some insights from the world of neuro-linguistic programming, and that is the fastest way to get better results. 